Hello and welcome to Tales from the Doghouse Separation Anxiety Explained. Dog just climbed on my lap. <laughs> I am Ness Jones uh, in Australia and with me today is... I am Stacey Bell with Focused Fun in the US. Welcome to um, this episode. Today we are going to talk about... Um, what information you should track when you're doing separation anxiety training. Um, you know, we, Ness and I both like to really keep things as streamlined as possible for people. And there's so many things that you can look at and that may or may not contribute to um, how well your dog can tolerate or feel comfortable in um, while being home alone. So we um, just wanted to hit um, the big things that we have, think affect most of the dogs and the things that you can probably kind of let go of um, in efforts to make your uh, training plan more straightforward and achievable. Okay, so there's a lot of data we can gather um, to help us get an understanding of where the dog is at and what impacts them. Um, and but you can make it as complicated or as simple as you like. But of course, the more information we have, the the better we are able to get an understanding of um, the dog and uh, how certain things can impact them. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, so this, this kind of episode or this, the thought behind this episode reminds me a little bit of the episode we did on the Pareto principle, like kind of the 80, 20 rule. And what, what, when I'm looking at what information do I want to track with my clients, I'm really trying to look at what is the 20% of the information um, that we need that's going to make the biggest effect on um, training, whether we can see trends, um, how simple or complex it is, and all of those things. So it's kind of just a flashback to that episode. And if you haven't listened to that one, it, if you're kind of into that um, type of mathy geeky stuff then then that would be a good one to to listen back on um but really what i am one of the biggest things that i'm going to look for is um is if how settled the dog is affects training right and so that can go to kind of for some dogs, it depends a lot on whether they had exercise before or not. And for some dogs, it has to do with time of day. Like I know a lot of times with puppies, um, especially in the afternoon, late afternoon, they might have a time of day when they're like maybe a little more wide open. Um, but for me, that is a big one. Is that something that you kind of look at, Ness, when you're tracking information? Yeah, so I look at um, both exercise and enrichment for starters. So because um, mm -hmm. I think, you know, we want the dog to be both physically but also mentally ready to rest. So um, that that usually time of day. So as you said, with, with the young puppy, you know, they, they go through those periods, but, you know, all dogs as well, you know, they get that time of day where they're really ready to rest. And obviously if, if we're tracking exercise and enrichment and how much that dog is getting, we can get an idea of how important it is to them. Um, I know a lot of my clients, you know, you're watching the pattern of their dog each training session and 
that usually in general the times they don't do so well is the ones where they haven't had any exercise or enrichment. So it's really important to keep an eye on that um, because it's, that's not doesn't apply to all dogs, of course. It's, you know, some dogs. Um, yeah, so that that's definitely something. And time of day, obviously, you know, puppies get zoomies at, you know, witching hour. Um, but there's also times where they're more likely to be ready to, to lie down and relax. Um, and things like even weekends, like how is the dog reacting, you know, on a weekend day? Because <laughs> they can tell mm-hmm. what day it is um, and they know that you're not going to work, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so, you know, are there days of the week and times of the day that can impact the dog? And, again, right. every, every dog is different. So, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I think that along with um, some of the things that we'll kind of talk about as to what are the things to look at to see if they have an effect on your dog's success in um, home alone training is to also remember that for each dog, all of the things that we talk about won't be pertinent, right? So if your dog um, is kind of older and they're in pretty much a constant couch potato state, um, then, then tracking, um, time of day might not be important. Um, or, um, you know, if your dog's not sensitive to routine changes, day a week might not be important. Um, but these are things that we're kind of suggesting are like the big ones that if your dog is going to have, um, more difficulty in some situations than others, these are the ones that are the most common. Yeah, and I think with um, time of day, I think, um, okay, so we can we can look at the dog's physical or, um, and mental activities during the day, but also it could be external things. So maybe there's a time of day when the kids walk home from school mm-hmm. uh, and that's uh, an outside distraction that could actually set your dog up to start barking and then they could take right into anxiety so even mm-hmm. tracking what's going on you know what time does posty come what time does the bin man come all those sort of things is it's good information to have um not a set right. maybe right. but um because we still need to train around that but it's good information good data well i think it's information that most people already know right so you're you're in a place where you're you're set up to kind of succeed there, you know, when the kids come home from school, generally in your neighborhood, and you know, if your dog reacts to that, right? So if you're, even if, you know, the kids come home at 2.30, and um, they make a lot of noise, but your dog doesn't have a reaction to that, then again, not not something you need to track or try to um, tweak your training plan to account for. But if the kids coming home from school does affect your dog, you better believe that we want to account for that in your training, especially early on in training, we'll probably want to not train during that time. And then later on in training, once your dog has a good base of of positive experiences built up, when we add that in, we're going to want to um, have a shorter duration or, or use other ways to make it easy, easier for your dog so they can succeed during that time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And we always want to make the dog, make it easier for the dog, especially at the beginning, don't we, when we're trying to build up those, mm-hmm. those foundations. Yes, yes. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, so what else can we track? So there's so much we can track, but um, what are some of the other simple ones for starters? So, so far we've, we've talked about um, time of day and day of week. And I think those are big ones. We've talked about, you know, exercise and enrichment or how settled they are. And, and all of that kind like some of that goes together and overlaps and some of it, some of it is separate. Um, but those are things to think about. Um, Another one to think about, I think, is who is doing the leaving. So it could be that um, when I leave, my dog has a more difficult time being home alone than when my husband leaves, um, or that if one of us leaves, it's okay, but when two of us leaves, it's harder. So that um, that aspect there, and sometimes it's so surprising, like a dog can be super attached to one person. So you think it's going to be harder with that person, or you think it's going to be harder with two people and it's just not for the dog. Mm. Um, but that's, that's why, um, looking at that is important and, and just, you know, looking for trends. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think about trends. Um, so also if you've got a really good understanding of your dog's body language, um, and what their subtle signs of anxiety are, there's often a pattern that you can see before we get to full-blown panic. So that will vary for every dog, and that's why we need to be observant. But um, some dogs have very, very definite um, tells, that, and it literally is a pattern. So each time that they're ready to go over threshold into panic mode, they will do certain things that indicate that they're mm-hmm. comfortable. So understanding that's really important. Right, right. And so sometimes um, when we start training, we're, we're kind of making an educated guess as to the things that we want to monitor for your dog based on the information you have given us. And uh, we will start you know, building your training protocol based on the assumptions we're making based on the information we have from you and the knowledge we have from past clients and also research if there's any research pertaining to that. So that's why I think it's important when you're working with a behavior consultant on your your dog separation anxiety to have that discussion as to, you know, what is a normal day for your dog? What are the things that your dog might react to? Are there certain times of day where your where your dog is more um, active? Is there, you know, are there certain sounds or um, activity outside that that affect your dog in some way. And so having all of that information and, and it is something that your um, behavior consultant should be discussing with you, um, you know, asking you those questions and um, just trying to get a better of understanding of what are we going to track for your dog to look for those trends to see if we need to continue to tweak training. Um, because if we track everything under the sun, it's going to be overwhelming. And it can even be an obstacle to getting your training done. Mm-hmm. There's some some other things that can impact. And I've noticed a, um, with my clients quite a clear pattern. So some of them go to doggy daycare. And mm. often those dogs do better if the, if the client was training that evening 
um, those dogs will do better. But there's time, some dogs actually do worse. So um, mm-hmm. I didn't have a great time at doggy daycare. So maybe um, when, when the training comes or, or maybe they just, you know, were, were maybe they're quite attached to their, their, their um, caregivers and so they have spent all day away from, from them and then, you know, when they try to do the training, they, they struggle a bit more. So things like that, it's really interesting to note um, how, mm-hmm. how that dog is going to cope with something like doggy daycare or maybe it's a visit, a visit to the vet or something like that. Yeah, yeah, or any disruptive event, um, whether it's yes. a vet, a groomer, groomer a dog yeah. lunging at them when they're on a walk or, you know, whatever. Um, yeah. Some dogs are more sensitive than others about that type of thing. Yeah. The other thing is um, if your dog has health problems, so whether it's arthritis, allergies, um, whatever it is, maybe it's gastro, whatever it is. Anyway, um, mm-hmm. you know, noting that maybe the dog does worse with home alone time if they're having a painful event or they're scratching a lot or whatever is, is quite good information to have. Um mm-hmm. So maybe, maybe, you know, looking at their health, you know, obviously we always recommend a vet visit anyway if the dog is struggling. But, um, yeah, knowing, so I've definitely had clients where there's been a pattern of when they've had an allergy outbreak, you know, when they're itchy, mm-hmm. scratching a lot, then the dog doesn't do as well as, as mm-hmm. so things like that are important to track as well. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. I'm trying to think of other kind of like super important ones. Um, I think we've covered them all. Can you think of any other ones? Um, no, I mean, just keeping an eye on what, what the, you know, is, does the dog react if it's a particularly windy day or something like that? Like, you know, what is it's, we can narrow it down to weather even. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course we, um, you know, we have to stress it's individual dogs some dogs don't care right. about it and other dogs are unsettled when it's windy. So it's it's really all about being quite observant, isn't it? Like knowing. It is. It is. It's, um, I think it's, it's really knowing um, your dog, what context kind of throw them off. And um, like you said, being observant and, and really knowing your dog's body language um, as a way to give you feedback even if it's not the big blatant displays of discomfort. Mm, mm, yeah, exactly. Those little subtle signs are important to note um, and having an understanding of doggy calming signals and body language, um, et, yep. cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't, th- oh, I mean, there's always things like who's in the household, but we've, we've talked about that. So I think, I feel like we've covered everything. Yeah. Yeah, I think we've covered all the big ones that that you would, you know, want to look at and assess and see if they are uh, a factor with your personal dog. And then if not, like if your dog doesn't have health issues, then, you know, you scratch that that one right off the list and and don't have to worry about it unless, you know, your dog gets an ear infection, then you might say, "Mm, I remember something about ear, you know, health issues. And then um, you know, maybe take a slower pace uh, during that time in response to your your dog having a bit more difficulty there. Yeah, and just remember, I mean, you can get as um, drilled down and detailed as you like. I mean, everyone thinks differently about 
about things. So, you know, you can, it depends on the person, but I mean, there's, we've given, we've provided some big ones, I guess. Um, and mm-hmm. then if you, if you're a detail orientated person and you want to drill down even more, then you certainly can do that. But um, yeah. Yeah, I think I think some people are all about data collection. They really enjoy doing that. I think the the take home point from this um, this discussion would be you you don't have to drill down, especially if it's going to be an obstacle to getting the training done. Yeah. I, the you know the most important thing is to set your dog up for for um, their home alone sessions. And we do that by, by noting the things that are going to make an impact on how easy or difficult it is for your dog going, going to be for your dog for that particular session, um, given the, the context, um, and, and then just tweaking training based on that. Yeah. And um, I mean, we don't want people to feel overwhelmed, of course. No, um, we don't. If you have a behaviour consultant um, such as ourselves that specialise in separation anxiety, they will be asking you all these questions. Um, They'll be saying what, you know, I need to know if the dog is going to the groomers, to the vets. Um, We need to know what the exercise and which, you know, they will drill down into all that for you. So, and they will track Mm -hmm. it. So, you, you know, probably just follow the plan that they provide and they'll take the thinking out of it for you. Um, but exactly. They'll be, they'll be tracking everything as well. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Cool. All right. Sounds good. Well, thanks everyone for joining us for today's discussion. Um, if you all are watching on YouTube, if you would subscribe, that would be fabulous. Or actually, even on any of the the podcast listening. Um, apps that you're you're working on also like us and subscribe us there and and rate us if you can that would be helpful yeah sure thank you for listening today or watching uh and see you next time yeah bye